Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the latest on a topsy-turvy week in politics here and in Washington. A well-respected Minnesota writer is out with a new book about Prince in the 90s, and we get a closer look at the new Gopher wrestling coach. But first, the State Demographics Center has released an in-depth look at the changing demographics in greater Minnesota. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. This new report puts a powerful lens on the demographic and economic characteristics in areas of the state often referred to as Greater Minnesota. Joining me now to dive into all the data is Andy Egbert, Assistant Director of the Minnesota State Demographic Center. Andy, before we get into the report, can you give us a little background on how this came about? Absolutely. Well, the report is called Greater Minnesota Refined and Revisited. We wanted to revisit the topic of how Greater Minnesota was doing, but we also wanted to do it in a a more refined way than we have seen before. Oftentimes we are asked here at the State Demographic Center, how is Greater Minnesota doing? And that question alone is really difficult because uh, people just generally mean kind of non-urban areas, but we know that Greater Minnesota is really diverse. We have um, fairly remote rural areas that are primarily uh, agricultural, and then we know we have, you know, thriving kind of regional centers across the state, places like Wilmer and Alexandria, and these things are often just kind of lumped into one big group. And so we wanted to say, we wanted to know for ourselves, how is Greater Minnesota doing, but we wanted to do it um, in a more careful way. And so uh, what we did is uh, we we constructed from very small kind of geographic building blocks um, a, a more refined way to look at this. So we have grouped together um, urban areas that have kind of a, a core 50,000-plus city in the center of it, and those places are what we might expect, the greater Twin Cities, uh, Duluth, Moorhead area, Rochester area, St. Cloud, and Mankato areas. But then outside of that, we've grouped areas of the state that are large towns and then small towns, and then outside of that, kind of the balance of the state we've defined as rural. You were talking a little bit about the the larger centers, the St. Clouds, the Rochesters, uh, the Duluth. Was there any, I guess, shocking findings uh, there? They tend to be kind of the regional hubs of the state, if if I'm right. Well, in in our definition, um, those areas that are more than 50,000-plus people, they are defined as urban. So uh, in addition to the Twin Cities, we have a few areas that are kind of um, real, you know, urban population centers. But then the next tier are those larger towns. So they're below about 50,000 people, um, but they're they're above 10,000. So um, that would be places like Alexandria and Wilmer, Marshall, some of those kind of regional centers, a lot of the places that actually are home to the Minnesota State colleges and campuses around the state, and those areas are, are different, we found it in some ways, from small towns and then also different from the rural areas. So we wanted to carve that up a little more carefully. And when we look at the small towns, or perhaps maybe I should even go down to the rural areas, I think one of the the key challenges that was identified in the study is that older residents are more common in these areas. Could you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one thing we know is that aging is affecting our whole state, um, but it's affecting our state differently. So uh, we know, um, you know, we have a big bulge in the baby boomers, but also due to uh, migration and other patterns, kind of the age profile looks different across the state. And what we found is that um, when we talk about just the rural areas, more than 1 in 20 of those residents is already age 80 or above. And that's really significant. Um, that's more than twice what we see in the urban areas. And by definition, the folks, those older adults who are living in those rural areas are remote. They are far, even from small towns that might have, say, 2,500 uh, or more people. So it does pose a challenge. We know many of them are living alone. Um, and we have to think about, you know, how we can kind of care for the folks in those communities who are remote from health and, and other services and even just from community connection. And we thought perhaps that not that many Minnesotans lived in these rural areas. Well, actually, 8% of our population, which is 434,000 Minnesotans, are in these rural areas, even outside of small towns. So it's a significant part of our of our state and being able to see their characteristics and how they're doing economically and in other ways really helps us just kind of understand, you know, border to border how we're different and how we're similar. And, you know, when we have the aging population to, to factor into this, um, this is kind of scary for rural Minnesota and small-town Minnesota, I guess. I mean, are we are we seeing people moving out to these areas, or is this just going to kind of become, I guess, m- what I always phrase it as, I don't know, the sticks and nobody living in these areas of the state. Yeah. Well, so that's kind of why we did part two of the report, because probably the the biggest burning question is what's happening with, you know, which areas of the state are growing, but also why are they growing? Are they growing just because we still have more babies than people passing on, or is it because we're actually persuading more people to move there then we see move away. So we actually unpack all of that in the report. Um, and we do see, you know, we can't necessarily control the behavior of folks having babies, but, you know, uh, counties and others, they invest a lot of energy in, in migration, trying to get folks to come there, do economic development. Um, and we do see that um, the migration trends, you know, have been pretty, we're seeing uh, more losses to places that we consider rural uh, in Minnesota this present decade. Um, now, we, we do present data for all the counties of the state, and there are some kind of outliers to the storyline. Um, there's five counties that actually uh, added 100 to about 1,000 people so far this decade um, that are, as we would classify them, not urban. So they don't have a big population center in them. And so those kind of migration leaders, uh, they include Douglas County, Ottertail County, Itasca, Crow Wing, and Hubbard. So a lot of those are kind of lakes area, recreational area counties. Um, it's complex, so we present all the data in the report. So no matter where you live or where you care about, um, you can find out on your place in the in the report. The full report can be found on the Minnesota Demographic Center's website. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. 
It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Prince's untimely death last April brought the music legend back into many of our lives in a big way, and it inspired well-respected Minnesota music writer Jim Walsh to compile his writings in a new book called Gold Experience, following Prince in the 90s. I recently chatted with Jim about the book and his unique relationship with the funky music icon from Minnesota. After a couple of weeks of know, grieving and, and writing, I wanted to go back and read everything that I'd written about Prince when I covered him for the St. Paul Pioneer Press in the 90s, from 93 to 2002. And they weren't readily available online because, you know, there's a glitch in the library matrix that is the internet, and the matrix doesn't start recording things till about 2001 or 2002 in some way. So I had to go back and buy all these columns and reviews and interviews I did with Prince um, from a site called newslibrary.com. And we put it together as a collection of, you know, real-time clips from that era. So I was happy to put it together. Prince asked me to write the liner notes to his great 1995 record, the gold experience and those are included in the book too so i'm relieved to have it down for history because it's you know it's very much a history book and kind of a uh, unreported segment of his career i mean a lot of people know about the glory days of purple rain in the 80s but he was very prolific in the 90s as he always was he never stopped creating but he was at war with Warner Brothers over his his recording contract. And it was the dawn of the Internet, and it was the dawn of independent recording artists as we know it now, where they don't necessarily need labels. They All they need is the Internet and uh, some hard work. So he wanted to be free. That was his whole thing throughout his life, seeking that freedom of spirituality, sexuality, and... Uh, creativity. So that's the book. You also had the uh, very rare experience of sitting down face-to-face to to interview him, and I'm wondering what the preparation for that was like and what uh, impact that had on your psyche getting ready for something like that. (laughs) Um, It's hard to remember now, but, you know, I was covering him. It was, you know, I had covered him um, by that time when when I finally did sit down to interview him. I think it was 
97 or 98, or no, 96, I think, when Emancipation came out. And so it was very much of a piece. I had written the liner notes for the Gold Experience. I had been seeing him a lot, uh, both at Paisley Park and at Erotic City and Glam Slam and, you know, points between them. So it was kind of, you know, as a reporter, and I was I was on the beat just in some fashion. I want the the way to prepare. I think was, you know, to have my automatic writing chops down <laughs> because um, it was a two-hour interview and it was me and a notebook and a pencil, and I just, you know, I made eye contact with him the whole time and just scribbled as he talked because he would not, he never allowed his voice to be recorded in for print interviews. As far as I know, I don't think he ever did that. So, and he was, you know, he was a smart aleck about it too. He's like, you got a recorder on you? You know, he wanted to almost frisk me uh, out at Paisley Park. But, you know, we had a, we had a very, very, uh, I think, sweet uh, connection, he and I. And, yeah, I think that comes through in the book. And I miss him. I miss the man and his music. I miss him a lot. I'm sure you've given this a lot of thought in the days since uh, Prince passed away and, and putting the book together, but uh, because you're such a good writer and so articulate, I'm hoping you can maybe express to me uh, a little bit uh, the impact that, that he had as a musician and specifically here in Minnesota where you know we, we are very proud of him. I think, I mean, one of the things I say in the introduction is, you know, the fact is all... So many people, and especially musicians, I think, uh, in this state, in this town, felt connected to him and at a heart level. And when that, when he died, I think it was palpable that you could actually feel that flame go out in Chanhassen. I, I felt it profoundly, and I have since. And I remember how it felt like we would be sitting here talking, you know, a year ago, you could feel, you know, the mad scientist in his laboratory out in Chanhassen, you know, doing his funky business. He just, and there was some real comfort in that and real inspiration in that going, you know, Prince is out there, you know, doing his thing. Even if he wasn't in town, you knew that Paisley Park was churning in, in some way as it does now, as it continues to actually. But it's it's just irreplaceable, that energy, that feel emanating from the western suburbs of of uh, that, you know, mad creative force that we all knew and loved. So, you know, part and parcel with that was living in Minneapolis and just small things like you'd be at a club or you'd see a limo go down the street and you go, I wonder if that's Prince, or I wonder if Prince will show up. Uh, or I heard Prince showed up last night, be it the Dakota or or who it was or wherever it was. And you know, you would think, you know, and that was a that was a very very real and uh, magical thing that we all got to sort of wonder about. And that's sad. Sometimes it feels the town feels a little empty as a result. Thanks again to my guest, author Jim Walsh, the book Gold Experience, Following Prince in the 90s. Minnesota Matters will return after this.
Sometimes, a simple idea can be developed into something big that can change the world. This is Katy Perry. In fourth grade, my music teacher helped me make a vision board. It was a collage that represented all of my hopes and aspirations in music. But what if my teacher didn't have the supplies we needed to make our collages? What if I never got the chance to learn and express my dreams? Unfortunately, that's the reality our teachers face every day. They're forced to spend their own money, sometimes just to keep the classroom running. That's why I'm teaming up again with Staples for Students to donate $1 million to DonorsChoose.org, a charity that helps teachers get what they need to bring learning to life for students. DonorsChoose.org has helped fulfill more than 700,000 classroom projects, benefiting more than 18 million students. It's an idea that's changing the world. It's easy to help. Donate in Staples stores or learn more at staplesforstudents.org. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up, just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right, which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The first weeks of President Trump's administration have a lot of Minnesotans asking themselves tough questions, and MNN's Bill Werner is in the same position. We, the people of the United States, are engaged in a heated debate at a crucial moment in our history. There are two basic questions. First, what will be our answer to those in the rest of the world who still long to come here? to share in the blessings of our liberty? And secondly, what will be our response to those who wish to harm us? Reasonable and well-considered people are coming at those very questions from quite different directions. On one hand, Minnesota House Speaker Kurt Dowd says... We have to make sure that we first and foremost keep uh, Americans safe. And, and there are people from around the world who, uh, you know, radical extremists who want to harm and kill Americans. Let's turn this problem around and look at it from the other side. Here's Catholic Archbishop Bernard Hebda. Welcoming the stranger is part of the gospel imperative. The mission entrusted to us by Christ is to hear the cry of those in need and respond with mercy and generosity. We search for answers in the founding document of our nation imagining how those in the distant future might judge our application of its words. Look at these three words written larger than the rest, with a special pride never written before or since. Tall words proudly saying, We the people. That which you call Eid Plebnista was not written for the chiefs or the kings or the warriors or the rich or the powerful, but for all the people. They must apply to everyone, or they mean nothing. Do you understand? I 
do not fully understand one named Kirk, but the holy words will be obeyed. I swear it. Words even more radical than those were spoken about 1,776 years earlier. And as our words were translated and guided many who followed, his words also came to us. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Ye have heard that it hath been said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. A few short years later, the man who spoke those words complied with that prime directive. He did not have to do it, and he certainly did not deserve what happened to him. But he did it anyway, because he is a leader. As 5% of the world's population, enjoying well over 5% of its privileges, we are in the same position. And our continuing quest as Americans is to find that delicate balance between turning the other cheek and punching somebody in the nose. The answer will come from only one place. We, the people. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, and son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face arm speech time. That's F face drooping, A arm weakness, S speech difficulty, T time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota elevated interim wrestling coach Brandon Egum to permanent full-time head coach last week. Egum has led the Golden Gopher program since the firing of previous head coach Jay Robinson, who was terminated during a scandal in which many of his wrestlers were found to be selling prescription drugs. Egum has stabilized the situation and has Minnesota ranked 12th in the country. The Gophers host third-ranked Iowa on Sunday at the U of M Sports Pavilion. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down this week with Egum for Minnesota Matters. Agam has been with the program as an assistant coach since 2001 and says leading Gopher Wrestling now as the head coach is something he will relish. Excited. I mean, this has been a, something I've been looking forward to for a long time. I know the team was excited from a staff standpoint. This is, you know, really nice. So now we can focus on just continuing work with the guys, getting them better, and, and trying to finish up the season strong. Take me through that tough time early where there was some turmoil, obviously, here in the summer. Uh, you became the interim head coach. Uh, navigating through that now, do you believe like that's mostly behind you and that uh, and, and you look forward? Yeah. You know, like we say to the guys, all we want to do is focus on the things that are positive and moving forward here and getting better. But during that time, it, it was difficult, no doubt about it. You know, part of our job was just to keep the guys focused on the things that they could control and and that was focused on schoolwork and wrestling, and, and we did, a, I thought, a pretty good job of that. Your vision now for Gopher Wrestling moving forward, what is it? Well, we want to set the bar high. You know, we have big, high expectations here. We know um, uh, the tradition here that we've been a part of. We've done some phenomenal things. We want to get back there. I mean, ultimately, it's, you know, we, we got a lot of work to do, but we want to bring a national title back here to the state of Minnesota and the University of Minnesota. So um, that's our, our long-term goal. Big Ten is a very good wrestling league, as you know. Um, what what are some keys as you look forward into into getting the program to where you want it to be and you envision it to be? Well, obviously, right now, you know, working with the guys we have here, um, getting them better, and looking at them as individuals, but also recruiting is a big part of it. You know, we want to search out after exceptional kids that want to come to a phenomenal university like like the University of Minnesota. So many great reasons why why kids should be attracted to this university location alone is is something that gives us the opportunity to provide career resources for these kids a few universities can um, compete with and then we have the tradition of of the wrestling program here let alone as you mentioned the big 10 conference is the best conference in the country so if kids want to wrestle against the best you know to be the best this is this is a place to go now let's look ahead more immediate future, and that is a big one with the arch-rival Iowa, who's always had a good wrestling program as well, and that's Sunday. Uh, kind of take me through a preview, if you would, of, of that dual meet. Well, this will be they're a great team. It'll be um, a tough duel for us, no doubt about it. Um, they're coming off a big win over Ohio State and one of the top teams in the country. Individually matchups, guys are just going to have to step up, and, and we're going to need some upsets to, to be in this match. But we have some guys that are – have wrestled and done very well this year. You know, some of our leaders like uh, Crails and Brett Farr, um, we're going to need guys like them to go out and get wins. And, and if there's opportunities to think about getting bonus points if we want to be in a duel like this. Home meets are always important, too, and I know you'd like to see a big crowd. It's a it's a morning uh, tip-off, so to speak, right, 11 a.m. at the PAV? Yeah, they moved it up to 11 a.m., so that's early for the guys. You know, they'll be getting in here a couple hours before that to make sure they're on weight and and uh, but it's Super Bowl Sunday, so it gives the fans an opportunity to come watch some great wrestling and still get back home to watch uh, the game later that day. So it uh, works out well. You guys have always had good uh, crowd support, good fan support. Minnesota's a pretty darn good wrestling state. You anticipate a big crowd and and continued support from that standpoint with you as head coach too. 
Yeah, you know, I hope so. I think right now our fans base has has done an exceptional job being supportive of us. Um, we've had good attendance to all the matches, so we're, we're excited about this duel. This will be a big one. A lot of people look um, at this duel as one of our top duels um, of the season, and uh, with Iowa being location-wise somewhat close to us, they should they usually travel very, very well. So it's going to be a, a full house, so if you want to get a, a ticket, you know, go online and get it now. Let's uh, chat to uh, short-term related to long-term, so looking ahead yet this year. What kind of would you like to see where this team can end up head? What are some goals uh, as you look to the Big Tens and to the NCAAs uh, not too far now from now? Well, you know, it's individual success, and that, that'll, you know, do the biggest part it can to help our team be successful this year. But we've had some good wins. Um, you know, we've had some tough days, too, as well. But the big thing is we got some individuals that can go out and become All-Americans and hopefully contend for a national title. We have some guys that, if they wrestled very well, could do that. So it's just about getting better every week, and, and it starts this Sunday. Who are, who are the top handful? You mentioned some guys that might be able to be All-Americans, maybe win the whole thing. If you had to lay a bet down, so to speak, who are, who are a couple of kids that you think could, could hang the medal around their neck when it's all said and done? Well, you know, I guess it's hard to predict just one. Into, I guess the, probably the top guy right now for us is Brett Farr. Like a lot of guys have talked about he's already he's second in the country. He's competed against um, um, the Olympian, um, Jaden Cox from Missouri. They wrestled out the Southern Scuffle was a very good match came down to a takedown in the final seconds of that that go so um he's the you know number one guy at his weight but we're capable of winning that there's other guys that are in different spots i guess you know depending on what they want to accomplish here but it's wrestling i mean anything can happen and one scramble can change it for any of these guys so i don't really want to count anybody out um i think that a lot of these guys have proven that they can compete with the best guys in the country so um, there's a lot of opportunities for guys to go and do great things at the national tournament. That's Gopher Wrestling Coach Brandon Egham on Minnesota Matters. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.